The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Devotions with Bishop Dolan on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Justin Soder, and this morning I have the great privilege of sharing the next hour with His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan, pastor of St. Gertrude Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio. Your Excellency, welcome back once again to the show, and thanks so much for being with us this morning. Well, thank you very much, uh, Justin. I'm very happy to be here with you. Devotions with Bishop Dolan uh, is underwritten by True Restoration with articles, books, and videos available at truerestoration.org. And while a portion of the operating costs of the radio network are underwritten by True Restoration, our shows are truly listener-supported. We have annual radio subscriptions for the subscriber of every level, which is available by clicking the Donate button at truerestoration.org. Restoration radio programs, including this one, are available on blogtalkradio.com slash restorationradio and are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow the work of True Restoration on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Flickr, LinkedIn, and Pinterest, by following us using the social buttons on truerestoration.org. Well, this morning we're going to be discussing the most well-known devotion to Catholics. I think that pretty much goes without saying, which is the Holy Rosary. And it's very apropos that we're discussing this devotion in October, the month of the Holy Rosary, as well as having just passed the 96th anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun, which was promised by Our Lady of Fatima and fulfilled on October the 13th, 1917. We're going to be discussing the history, the material of the Rosary itself, and why this devotion really is so important. So as always, Your Excellency, would you like to start us off with a prayer? Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. O Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day in the midst of my manifold duties, a bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment and encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty. Grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy fifteen mysteries may form in my soul little by little a luminous atmosphere, pure, strengthening, fragrant which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, and my whole being. Thus shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work, without the aid of formal prayers, by interior acts of admiration and of supplication, or by aspirations of love. I ask this of thee, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, pray for us. Pray for us. Well, the Most Holy Rosary, uh, uh, certainly a a very uh, appropriate topic, as you mentioned, for the month of October. 
I always like to start with etymology. Um, what what is the word origin of rosary? You hear in rosary rose, and if uh, you're a certain kind of a probably a certain kind of a man, and if you had a sweetheart or a wife, and if you're sort of part of living in commercial America, and you're uh, and you know what's good for you, you will remember that today, the 19th of October, is commercially a commercial american holiday sweetest day and you are meant to get your sweetest one something sweet and that probably includes roses because the rose is considered to be the queen of the flowers the sweetest and the most beautiful if you were to be so lucky as to have any roses left blooming in your garden up here things are sort of sparse now the rose might very well have a fragrance and that's certainly that's certainly uh, part of it the, the word rosary comes from rosarium, which means the place where roses are grown. Um, and there's maybe a double origin here. On the one hand, a rosarium was uh, a term used for um, an anthology in the Middle Ages, a gathering together. Oh, sometimes it would have been called in the 19th century a cabinet of information. In other words, like the, 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 the pickings from the garden of the very best of information about this or that subject, or such as you had in the Middle Ages, like Thomas de Cantipre, be an example of that, uh, <clears throat> one of these men of, like Albert the Great, to universal knowledge. And so they would publish a rosarium that had a little bit about everything in it, from <clears throat> geography to history to uh, science, scientific subjects, and spiritual topics as well, most of all spiritual topics. That's one origin. And the other origin is the um, whole the idea of ancient peoples, including the Romans very much, of forming out of roses a wreath. And that's really our idea, a crown of roses that the Germans call a Rosenkranz, a crown of roses that we, with which we crown Our Lady symbolically at certain times of the year, a crown of unfading roses we lay at, uh, at Mary's feet. So sometimes the rosary throughout history has been called that, the rosary. Sometimes it's been called the corona or the crown. Um, and then uh, sometimes it's referred to as a chaplet. The word chaplet comes from the, the word for head uh, and the word for hat. We, we, we say in English cap, and the French would say chapeau, meaning a hat, or headgear. It all comes from the Latin caput, or head. And that goes back to the idea, again, of, of, of a wreath being made. Victorious Roman generals would be crowned with a wreath of some kind of flowers or, or greens, maybe laurel or olive leaves, to celebrate um, their victories. That's a little bit the sense of it. Uh, the, the crowning and then, and then the, the crown that we give to Our Lady, which is unfading. What I found, one of the interesting things that, that I found out is that the Dominican, who very much, shall we say, uh, stylized and systematized and revived the rosary devotion, the rosary confraternity in particular, uh, he, was, um, he was from Brittany. Uh, Blessed Alan de la Roche, we connect the um, wonderful promises of Our Lady to those who recite the rosary, those 15 promises with, with him, a revelation that he is said to have received from Our Lady. This Dominican, who was so devoted to the rosary and did so much to promote it, objected very strongly 
to all of these names for the rosary. He didn't want it called the rosary. He didn't accept chaplet or chaplet or corona or rosenkranz or anything like that. And why did he reject them? He said they were worldly because of the analogy from from daily life and from worldly or even pagan history. And this good friar found that uh, repulsive. He wanted everyone to ref- continue to refer to the rosary as the Dominicans did, as the angelic psalter. Um, another name for it was the uh, breviary, the short abbreviation, that's the idea of the term breviary, the breviary of the Christian life or the breviary of the gospel. Uh, just as today, sometimes metaphorically, one would say that the rosary is the gospel you carry in your pocket. Um, but of course, if you, if, if if I were to say to somebody here in Cincinnati, Ohio, well, t- t- tomorrow before mass, we are going to recite together the angelic psalter. The people would say to me, "Please." That's a, an, an, a Cincinnati-ism. It goes back to the German. The German word for please is bitte, which goes back to the uh, German word in turn, um, bidden, uh, meaning to, or baden, meaning to, at, to make a request. So please is a polite way of, of, of asking for something. So uh, that connects us, curiously enough, with the rosary beads, the beads of the rosary. The the English word bead goes back to the Anglo-Saxon word for prayer, prayer, supplication, or asking. And when we finger our beads and meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, we are praying. So indeed there is a very strong connection amongst all of these uh, interesting words. Um, So the English word for bead uh, just used generally and generically, um, is a Catholic word. How wonderful is that? And, it were, and, it's, and it's the word that means prayer, because for so many centuries, beads were associated with one thing, not, you know, frippery or decoration or, or what crazy people throw out at Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Beads were... Um, these were a way of counting one's prayer. And, and the, the, um, the Saxons, they say, used to wear the, the beads as a kind of a belt around the waist, and they would refer to a, a prayer belt, a, a beltidum uh, for the, of the Our Father. Um, and, then, and then in the Anglo, uh, the, the, the language of the Angles, rather, then bead had just simply the idea of, uh, of prayer itself. So there you have sort of a little bit of an interesting story about the origin of the terms itself, bead, rosary, chaplet. And we want to go back a little bit later on to the idea of chaplets and the, and the other rosaries, especially the little rosaries that, um, that may exist. The rosary has its distant origin throughout Christian history, right going right to the infant church where Our Lady was still with them, guiding and forming and teaching the apostles and the, and the first disciples, the early Christians, after Pente- before and after Pentecost. It has its origin with two things. On the one hand, there is the formal prayer of the church, which uh, continued the prayer of the temple and the synagogue and then purified it and Christianized it, which is the, the um, 
essentially the backbone of that prayer, the formal prayer of the church, is the divine office, the uh, Psalter of David, the 150 Psalms of David, which are, um, which are each one of them in some sense messianic. They point to our Lord. Each one of those prayers, um, Colonel Schuster says that, gives us some sense of the of the of the soul of Christ, his his innermost thoughts, his deepest desires, his holiest wishes and prayers. The, the Psalms show us the uh, show us our Lord and his own personality, in a sense, and that's why the Psalms have always been so so dear to us. And they're used for the formal and the public prayer, fulfilling David's word seven uh, seven times a day. I will praise thee. Um, but along with that, the formal public prayer is also private prayer, quiet prayer, what we would call meditation or contemplation. The, at the beginning, especially for those who would retire from the cities out into the desert to meditate and to pray, even during the time of the Roman persecutions, but particularly afterwards, um, the great the fourth century, the great flourishing of monasticism, monasticism, say in Egypt. The early hermits would use not beads, because now we're going from um, England or Germany down oh, way over to Egypt. They would take pebbles. They would grab a handful of pebbles and count them out, put the pebbles maybe in the pocket. There would be maybe 150 pebbles for the 150 Psalms of David. <clears throat> sometimes they would use 300, sometimes more, sometimes less. And after each uh, prayer had been said, some short little aspiration, we would call it, very close to what they call today in the Eastern Church the Jesus Prayer. Jesus, Son of God, uh, have, have mercy on me. There are many variants of it, but that's sort of the sense of it. Um, after they said the prayer, then then the hermit if he said it, would, would, would cast the pebble back. It was a way of counting, but one thing I came across in my preparation for this uh, presentation, which also fascinates me, was that it wasn't a way of counting so much uh, as, as, as you and I would, you know, the, the furtive sneak look at the beads, oh, how many more do I have to say to get this rosary finished so I can say I've said my rosary and I can go on to something else, perhaps more attractive <laughs> or more interesting. I'm afraid that's, a, that's human nature. Or sort of peeking ahead in the prayer book, how many, how many more uh, pages are left of this particular prayer that I have to read. <clears throat> they counted so as to not go overboard with the prayer because their life, the life of a, of, a, of, a, of a monastic, the life of a monk or a hermit, was always a question of a proper balance between prayer and work. So they wouldn't pray too long. Those who had the leisure to do so, sometimes even those who didn't, uh, would pray for hours and hours. Uh, the Curie of ours talks about that. What a delight that is. It's just He must have known that very little. He had to make a sacrifice of that during his life. He said it's an anticipation of heaven. And the hours pass like minutes. Uh, think of St. Francis Borgia. We honored him earlier this month in, in October. Uh, one of the great early um, uh, black popes, one of the great early superiors of the Jesuit order, uh, who would pray up to eight hours a day, mental prayer, meditation, actually contemplation, surely. <clears throat> or another Jesuit, like St. John Birchman, who had to be who had to be sort of roused from his prayer and taken away. Because prayer 
when you're really praying, isn't a sweetness, the anticipation of heaven itself. That's contemplation. And um, the early fathers of, of Egypt would use these pebbles as some way of marking time. Um, and that's, that's a theme that, that we're going to find throughout the, uh, the history of the, of the rosary, the, uh, the marking of time. Another thing that we'll find a little bit later on <clears throat> is the uh, link between uh, the rosary and two themes, two topics that we've discussed in previous uh, Restoration Radio presentations, that is to say the litanies and uh, the Angelus prayer. The litany, a, a repeated form of a response, well, obviously the rosary is a litanaical prayer par excellence. Somebody says the first part, and everybody answers it, and then sometimes they might reverse it. But uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a responsive sort of a prayer. And then the Angelus itself talk about the measuring of time. The, the, the ringing of the Angelus bell was a way to alert everyone to a time of prayer, to might say, you might say <clears throat> like three of the basic times of prayer. When you're first up in the morning, morning prayer, for noon, and then for sunset, the, the evening prayer. Then very early on, that Angelus prayer that summoned everybody who lived near a church or, or near a monastery, um, and the idea of, of, of the ring of the bell was, was that of a bells come from people being summoned to prayer, then that was associated with uh, the, the, the great mysteries of the... Uh, of the life of our Savior. That is to say that the morning, then you think of the resurrection, glorious mysteries. Our Lord has risen from the dead before dawn. At noon, you think of our Lord ascending the, the gibbet of the cross and being crucified, the sorrowful mysteries. And then at night, you think of the Annunciation occurring at night. So then therefore, and our Lord being born at night. So therefore, the joyful mysteries. That's you see how that's going to be another one of the of the elements of the origin of the rosary. Um, something else that we'll have to talk about here. Speaking of the great devotion to the Psalms of David, is um, the contribution of the Irish to the whole process. Remember, Ireland for centuries was the Isle of Saints and of Scholars. Remember that the Irish re-Christianized Europe after the uh, fall of the uh, Roman Empire and the Irish monks were outdone by none in their love of penance uh, as well as of prayer um, the Irish had a threefold distinction we today would say what kind of prayer is there well there's vocal prayer and then there is mental prayer the prayer of the mind and the rosary's glory is that it combines vocal prayer uh, the, our fathers and Hail Marys, and the mental prayer, the meditation, we call it a discursive meditation, on the mysteries of the, of the rosary. The Irish had a third kind of prayer. You see it in the life of St. Patrick, St. Columban, all, all the great early Irish monk saints. That is to say, they had corporal prayer, to the prayer of the body and the prayer of um, penance, <clears throat> that... Um, they would pray with their arms extended. St. Gertrude the Great prayed that way, and 
was custom in, in Germany and Catholic Austria for centuries as well, was exclusively Irish, but probably a little bit more exclusively Irish was the idea of praying at least part of the night, but a penance that would be already, and then to, to stay awake and to do more penance, they would pray, the Irish monks would, standing in water. St. Patrick, certainly. He would pray uh, one-third of the Psalms of David, 50 Psalms, standing in cold water. And uh, throughout the, his recitation of the, of the Psalter in the course of the night and the day, he would make uh, many, many genuflections, 150 or 300, uh, depending on the particular saint that it would be. It was the Irish who divided the Psalter into three sections. Uh, it was called the 350s in Gaelic, that's something like Natri Koikat, the 350s. And for those who did not know the Psalms of David by heart, um, they would recite instead, the lay brothers say, they would recite instead the Our Father, the Pater Noster. So the early rosaries were known as paternosters, and the place where the rosaries were made uh, and sold in pre-Reformation England, that particular street in London, is still called to this very day Paternoster Row, because there were all these stores there where they used to make rosaries centuries ago, and that the custom somehow has still obtained to today. So it's... It's this, remember we talked a little bit earlier about this idea that um, there's always the church's official prayer and the church loves the Psalms of David. Well, what got in the way of the laity participating in that fully, not entirely, but fully, was the um, fact that the Psalms were in Latin, of course, that's the language of the church's prayer. As, the, as language evolved or devolved out of, the, out of the original Latin, into the modern Romance languages, and certainly from the start in a country like Ireland, why then it would, you, you would have to study. You would have to learn. If you were an educated man, of course, you would learn your Latin. And you would learn your Latin by learning the prayers of the church, by, by learning the Psalms. Um, until the 19th century, a standard book of instruction for children to learn how to read, that was a primer. And that comes, that's one of the early words used for an, a little office of the Virgin Mary, uh, that children would learn by reading prayers out loud. But those who couldn't read and those who didn't have access to a book, remember books were enormously expensive, even a page of, one page of parchment would take an entire animal to animal skin and a long treatment of the animal skin to produce that one page of, uh, of parchment. So they were rare and it was difficult to get a hold of. People did learn the Psalms, though. How did they learn them? By assisting at the divine offices in the monasteries, in the churches, because everybody, all priests as well as the, the monks, all said out loud and together, sang out loud and together, their, um, the divine office, the official prayer of the church. So the laity assisting would have had the occasion to learn quite a bit. Then they would, they, would, they would know it by heart. I came across an interesting example of that, a very moving one, told by the, uh, the canon. Canons are religious who pray the divine office together in choir. The canon of, it was the canon of the great St. Bernard, the, 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 uh, the priests in Switzerland, northern Italy, who used to rescue travelers, and they have the great St. Bernard dogs, for example, the kegs of brandy. Well, <clears throat> this canon of the great St. Bernard was the, 
the uh, the director of the seminary at Econ under Archbishop Lefebvre, when we, uh, Bishop Sam Moore and myself, Father Jacada, were seminarians, and he he tells of the old customs still obtaining in the villages uh, in Switzerland that the, the the farmers, the peasants, people of very very little formal education, knew the Psalms of David by heart, especially the Office of the Dead, because it was a custom to come together and chant the Office of the Dead at the funeral of anybody in the village. So it was just passed on. So those things only really died out at the beginning of the 20th century. But that's, that's a way of popular participation. But still there was a de- desire to do more, and particularly in the case of the, of the lay brothers, who were very often even away from the monastery at a distant it's called a grange or farm at some distance from the, the, the monastery. The bells would ring. They would want to be able to pray, and they were obliged to pray. Well, the way they would pray would be to do their paternosters, their Our Fathers. And um, sometimes to that would be added the Glory Be, the Apostles' Creed. And it would usually be done in these, in these 350s. And as I say, there was already with the Angelus this idea of a, of, of a threefold division of prayer in honor of the, the main events of our, our Lord's life. So you see how the rosary is starting to come together, this idea of um, mental prayer, the idea of mental prayer joined with vocal prayer, the idea of the 50s to get 150 so that the laity or the brothers in praying the, the, the some form of a rosary would spiritually be participating in the Psalter. See, it started with the Our Father. St. Augustine says, if you've got the Our Father, you've got everything. There is nothing in any prayer that is not already in the perfect prayer, the one taught to us by our Lord, the Paternoster, the Our Father. Um, but um, interspersed in their prayer would often be uh, the Hail Mary. How did that come into place? Well, uh, with the uh, in, during the Middle Ages, the passage of time there increased very much, especially under the impetus of the saints, the uh, d- devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary was um, expressed liturgically in the Divine Office, and also expressed by means of a shortened lay form of prayer called the Little Office that still exists today. People may be aware of of the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is based on the, the great office of the Church, the, the, the divine office, but is a shortened, a little bit more of a simple form of prayer. Originally, that too was recited in Latin, and it always starts with Ave Maria, just as the invitatory or the first words of Matins in the divine office for, uh, of Our Lady on Saturday begin with Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, the salutation of the angel to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so, because of the recitation of the little office and the idea of interspersing these paternosters with other little prayers, or we call them antiphons, usually taken from Scripture that are appropriate to the idea of the feast of the season, you get, this, uh, you, you get the origin of the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary is a true salutation in honor of the Blessed Virgin. For many centuries, the Hail Mary was just the first part. 
during the time of St. Dominic, uh, the, the Pope at that time, Pope Alexander, I think, uh, indulgence, the first half of the Hail Mary, blessed is, which ends with, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Christ, amen. That's how they would end it. It was only later that the second part of the Hail Mary grew up and developed. And that first part was called the angelic uh, salutation. And that distinction, I learned, did not die out in Catholic Austria or Catholic Ireland until about the end of the 19th century. And they say that the Irish, the simple, the peasants, if they were given a penance by the priest in confession, and remember, the idea of the frequent confession, the sacrament of penance as we know it today, that really developed in Ireland in the, in the very early centuries. That we, we have to thank the Irish for that, as well as for so many other blessings and benefits. Well, if an Irish, a simple Irish peasant was given ten Hail Marys by the priest, until sometime in the last cent, in the 19th century, not the last, but the 19th century, he was liable to say something like, begging your reverence's pardon, would that be the angelic salutation, or would it be Holy Mary, Mother of God as well? Because there'd be, there'd be a, uh, there'd be a shortened form, and then what they viewed as a longer form of the Hail Mary. But so those things, that, and that shows too, Justin, how, um, with all of these things in Catholic life and Catholic history, there's always a very slow, as we say today, organic development. There was never anything rash or sudden. And, uh, and the old forms were very, very slow to die out. The old form of saying the rosary during the time, say, of Blessed Alan, 15th century in Europe, was uh, simply to say the Hail Marys without any formalized kind of meditation on what we would say today are the mysteries. Um, the way the Franciscan crown is, the Franciscan crown consists of seven decades in honor of the seven joys of Our Lady, and there's no requirement of any meditation. You simply say the Hail Marys in honor of the seven joys of the Mother of God. But the unique part about the Dominican Rosary is it takes you right back to early church history and the, and, and the, the monks of Egypt, and this idea of the combination of vocal prayer and of um, mental prayer being joined together. So Blessed Alan talks about the benefits of the new rosary, what was viewed as the new rosary in the 15th century, as opposed to the old rosary, mm -hmm. uh, which would be simply the saying of the Hail Marys. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are just joining us, you are listening to Devotions with Bishop Dolan here on the Restoration Radio Network, and we're talking this morning about the Holy Rosary and beads. And Your Excellency, uh, yeah, I think you've given an interesting coalescing of, of where, where the rosary <clears throat> excuse me, has been coming from, or came from to where it is now, and, and, or you're getting to where it is now. And I, I think it, you know, there's, a, there's a couple things. I, I don't recall if it was on a previous show that, uh, that you know, we had shared or not, but something about how the rosary has turned into somewhat of a, you know, um, you know, somewhat of a small breviary for, for the laity. You know that, that, yes. that they can view as an obligation every day. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, priests are bound to say in the divine office every day, and I, I think this is a uh, this is a key point about you know the rosary is that now it's worked its way into everyday life, and of course by many you know, many exhortations and particularly from you know, the Blessed Mother herself. Um, I guess my question here moving forward is, you know, the 
the rosary that we know today, obviously, is the Dominican rosary. That's the, that's the one that, that obviously, you know, we all pray every day, you know, the five-decade rosary as it's, as it's most familiar. Can you speak a little bit about the other rosaries, such as, you know, the Servite you know, rosary and, and how those relate? Because we're going to get to a key point here in just a few minutes about the 150 Psalms of David and why this matters, uh, you know, with regards to oh, recent yeah. changes. Sure. But, but we'll say that for a few yeah, minutes. But yeah. can, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, you might say any, any order worth its salt had its own uh, angelic psalter. And um, the, for the Dominicans, it was uh, the rosary as we speak of now. And for the Franciscans, the joys of Mary. For the Servites, the sorrows of Mary. They say that during the time of the, of the high Middle Ages, the development of the Dominican rosary, there were many other rosaries that were in existence. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes those are referred to as chaplets. There are, there are chaplets around still today. The French call uh, the one-third of the rosary that uh, that we Americans call the rosary. The French refer to that as the chaplet, the chaplet, uh, coming, as I say, from the, the word for head covering, the idea of the crown or the, or the wreath of honor or of sorrow or of joy that's given to the to the Virgin Mary. Um, but uh, so you you might come across the chaplet of Saint Anthony, or you might come across the chaplet of the Infant of Prague. Uh, those are popular with uh, some people. Uh, the Chaplet of the Seven Sorrows. But I, uh, I always have difficulty with them myself because I can never remember and, uh, exactly what the prayer is supposed to be. And sometimes the prayers get a little complicated. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, the, really the point of, the, uh, of any successful rosary actually is that you have it memorized. You don't have to worry about it in any sense. You just, you know, just go for it. That's, that's why a fairly modern rosary but I think a very popular one, which I try to say if I, if I manage to get my Dominican rosary finished, then, um, then, I, uh, then I will pray the rosary of the, of, the, of the five holy wounds of our Lord, because it's just two short aspirations that are said. And, uh, and there, there are five decades in our rosary, and, and then there are five wounds of Christ. And so it's kind of easy to do that in a sense. And it's, I think, a very, very important devotion for today. Um, but actually... One of the other major rosaries was is, is the Rosary of St. Bridget with um, 66 mysteries, 66 of all, of, of all different mysteries from the life of our Lord. There are places in Austria where in, until, again, 20th century, that was the rosary that was said rather than the, the, the Dominican. And saying that rosary was referred to as reading the rosary. They would read the rosary in church before the high mass on Sunday. There would be a layman in the pulpit who would read the mysteries off, and then the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys would be recited. So there are many rosaries like that. In old prayer books, you can come across the Golden Rosary, the Rosary of Jesus, uh, the Rosary of St. Bridget, the Camelgelis beads. And some of the uh, indulgences which the Church has given to these beads um, and to a particular religious order are transferred to any set, any pair of beads by someone who has the... Um, the capacity to be able to do so. A bishop, by his consecration, according to church law, has that power. So if you can, you want to get a bishop to bless your beads for you. And that way, even if you don't finish your rosary and get the, to get the Dominican indulgences, every bead that you say according to the Bridgetine rosary is uh, richly indulgenced, richly indulgenced. And then for many of these, as they say, no, although they said in honor of them, particular mystery no particular meditation is required as it is 
for saying well or properly the Dominican Rosary. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this kind of leads in, Justin, a little bit to this consideration that you're dying to ask about, and I'm dying to talk <laughs> about, is JP2 and the Luminous Mysteries. Luminous, yes. you have to say right away, wow, is that ever spooky, because it makes you think of um, Gnosticism and New Agey and all of that stuff, and if you thought of it in those terms, you would not be mistaken. That's certainly the truth. But on the other hand, there are to be found in some of these ancient rosaries, which are probably about as old as, if not older than, or uh, maybe a little bit younger than, depending, the, the Dominican rosary, other mysteries, the mystery of the baptism of Christ, say, the mystery of the, uh, of the Last Supper, or all, many, many different gospel events in the life of our Lord are denominated then as mysteries and have their own time of prayer and Our Father or Hail Mary or ten of them attached to them, depending on which, uh, which rosary we are uh, talking about. Um, in a sense, the, you can, and you're meant to, there's a, there's a strong tradition for that, to actually put a whole lot into each one of the Dominican mysteries uh, of the rosary. That's fine to do that. Or another way, even though it would not be for a Dominican rosary, and there wouldn't be the indulgences there, another way to do it would be to use the form of the rosary to meditate anything, any, any point in the sacred scripture, anything in the life of our Lord or of Our Lady, to meditate that. And, and going through the history and all the different prayer books and all the different devotions over the centuries, you see that. And it always goes back to the same idea that this is, um, this is really an excellent form of prayer um, to digress before mm-hmm. we connect with the Psalms of David, um, the, the, the saying is, is, is this, that the, in the rosary, the beads exist for the prayers, and the prayers, the paters and the aves, they exist for the mysteries and the meditation on the mysteries. And the beauty of the rosary is that it keeps you busy. You're using everything. And in keeping yourself busy, body and soul, a little bit that idea of the corporal form of prayer that the Irish had, as well as vocal and uh, and uh, mental. You fight distraction, and you're you're bringing the whole of you, a creature, a man, a creature composed of body and soul, back to uh, our Lord. Couple couple of things on on the, on that point. The um, uh, the French. Uh, philosopher and Catholic theologian, although it was a little bit towards Jansenism, I'm afraid, um, Pascal used the phrase to his followers, uh, which means literally animalize yourself. But the idea is this. Remember, my friend, you are not a pure spirit. You are a creature. You've got a body. You've got your five senses. Make them part of your prayer. And that's the incarnation, isn't it? That's what we're meditating on, how God, pure spirit, becomes not an angel, who's another pure spirit. He becomes a man. He, 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 he uh, assumes a human nature, a human body, like unto ours, soul, from the Blessed Virgin Mary. These are the, the mysteries that we're meditating on as we do what? As we see a scene in our mind, as we, as we pass the beads 
through our fingers, and as perhaps we're doing some penance by by kneeling down. In some places, they would say uh, a decade or two or the whole rosary with their arms out in the form of a cross, ancient Irish, mm-hmm. ancient German custom. But it's the idea is the body and the soul are praying together, so it's less likely that uh, the, that the soul or the mind would be so terribly distracted, and it's um, a way to to do a, a full or a perfect prayer. And, and that's what we're honoring here. We're honoring God becoming man. That takes us to the Dominican Rosary, and I get the impression from history, I get the impression that one of the reasons why the Hail Mary, uh, the angelic Psalter, was put in and eventually replaced the Paternoster is because the Paternoster, perfect prayer though it be, it's from our Lord himself, and St. Augustine says it's got everything in it, was adopted in a sort of a dark, wicked, superstitious way by the Albigensians, the Cathar heretics, who were, of course, the Bete Noir of St. Dominic and the early Dominicans. That's the reason why our Lord raised them up, was to crush this particular heresy. They taught that all things created were evil, that matter is evil, that there were two gods, and that we, that we must serve the one pure, true God who is uh, immaterial, who is a pure spirit, and that God could never have become man, and that, therefore, life, the transmission of life, marriage, all of those things are extremely wicked. The souls are trapped in bodies and have to be let loose. So that was a really disgusting and perverse heresy, uh, more than a heresy, really. It was a form of, of apostasy, which was anti, profoundly anti-life in the 13th century and um, was profoundly anarchical. It led to total destruction of society. And so it was very important that, um, that St. Dominic should succeed so, in fact, this takes, so this takes us then to the origin of the Dominican Rosary. So you have St. Dominic, he's tried, the Cistercians tried before him to preach against the heresy, but preaching according to the style of the day, uh, the, uh, there was too much maybe grandeur and power, and uh, the um, Cathar heretics and their holy men would, pre- would present themselves as poor men. And um, that appealed to the poor peasants and poor people. So they, they were at a, sort of at a standoff, and even St. Dominic and his early band of preachers were not successful. So the tradition is that he goes into, into the woods, maybe outside of Toulouse, or some say it was actually in the cathedral of Toulouse, and he's, he's for a number of days praying so intently and performing the, 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 the most um, literally bloody of physical penances and mortifications, fasting, the rest of it, beseeching God and the Mother of God for some way to make this crusade of preaching the gospel successful. And the Mother of God appears to him and gives him the rosary, just as we believe, just as we see depicted in holy gardens, statues and the rest of it. And she, she makes us the, the, the wonderful promise that this rosary, if preached, will convert the heretics. This rosary, if preached and lived, Prayed, especially if prayed, will lead uh, will lead everybody to heaven. So um, the Dominicans of Aubrier, who go ahead, yes, I said, I said that's a very powerful promise, Your Excellency. It is, oh, indeed, it is. It's very, very strong and very beautiful. If people only realize that, uh, in fact, Sister Lucy uh, says that Our Lady says 
that uh, there isn't a singular, a, a single problem, there isn't a single difficulty for families, families of the world, religious communities, or families of nations, temporal or spiritual. There's nothing that will not give way before the rosary. So the idea is that of all of these, it's, it's, it's a normal form of prayer. Beads, the counting of beads, the measuring time, the potters, and of all, but of all of these different rosaries and forms of prayer that have grown up, some we know about, some have just died out. There's one which is most excellent that Our Lady has chosen as hers, and with the passage of 500 years, 800 years really, we uh, are. If only we would go back to it, we would know those same victories. The first mm-hmm. a rosary victory, which is also which also gives us a proof of this traditional story of the of the giving of the rosary, Justin, it took place exactly 800 years ago uh, last month on the 12th, 12th of September, the Feast of the Holy Name of Mary. That's the anniversary of the Battle of Muret in uh, 1213. Muret was near Toulouse in southern uh, France where the, in, in the region called Languedoc where this big conflict between the, the, the kings who backed the Albigensians for their own, as they always do, for their own miserable political ends and for their own power versus the church. And there were, I think, 34,000 soldiers in the armies of these two allied forces, one from Spain, one from um, Languedoc, uh, who wanted to wipe out Christianity for their own purposes and, and, and impose Albigen- the Albigensian heresy. And uh, there were maybe 800 knights. Yes, there were 800 knights. And while the knights, they, everyone prayed, of course, received the sacraments, St. Dominic offered Mass, the knights rode off into battle, and St. Dominic prayed the rosary with his followers valiantly all day long. There's a little poem written about that, which is one of the oldest references to St. Dominic praying the rosary. And the poem was written by a notary. You know, notaries are known for bearing witness to something which actually happened. And this, was, uh, this poem was written five uh, months after the event. So it was uh, 800 years ago that we have the first historical reference to the Dominican rosary. And about the same time, a little bit later, also during the lifetime of St. Dominic, there's another, uh, a will that some, somebody leaves that's, uh, that's to be found today in Spain. A will, someone, someone leaves um, money for candles to be carried in a rosary procession for this Dominican rosary confraternity, and, and the idea is that this procession would be for this man's soul. So we have two interesting references that give the lie to the modernist or the rationalist historians claim that the rosary really before the 15th century it didn't exist it didn't right. it was maybe Alan de la Roche uh, or even even later than that the Saint uh, Louis de Montfort but no there's there, there's there's that strong there's that strong history and, and in the history you see the reason for the triumph so I think we can associate that with um, we can associate that uh, uh, giving of the rosary to St. Dominic, the crushing of the Albigensian heresy, with the apparition at Fatima, our, our Almighty God desiring to establish now devotion to Mary's Immaculate Heart, all in connection with the, the, the Dominican rosary, well meditated each day as a way of um, solving the problems of, of the world 
a uh, hundred years ago and certainly today still. So there's always that there's always that link. So it's something that, that heaven wills. Mm-hmm. Well, Your Excellency, I think this is a good time. Uh, we have a we have an email question, but before I ask that question, I kind of want to lead into it by saying that you, know, you were mentioning earlier about the organic development of the rosary. You know, over time, yes. slow, gradual changes, and <laughs> and uh, kind of this this um, you know this flourishing of this beautiful flower garden of different you know of different devotions you know, to Our Lady that are born out of the rosary. And, you know, and in today's day and age, where we're all concerned about you know concerned about uh, you know organic this and organic that, uh, you know, we get to the luminous mysteries. And and uh, this is you know a question that I'm sure many many traditional Catholics are, are aware of. It's a it's a bit of an issue. And there was a question that was that was emailed in to us. And I'll ask the question and follow it up with just one point, and I'll let you speak on this. He says, "Dear Bishop Dolan, I'm a traditional Catholic who refuses to pray the luminous mysteries. And when I tell my Novus Ordo friends that I will not pray the luminous mysteries by myself or with them, they are offended and somewhat scandalized that I won't do it." I'm looking for an easy way to explain to them without getting too deep into the theological waters why I won't pray them. Thank you, Scott H. from Concord, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Now, b- before you answer that, Your Excellency, I, I think that it's important for our listeners to know, uh, you know, for you to make that connection once again as to the, 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 um, the five-decade rosary and the mysteries that were given to us originally and would you describe this as an organic development and if it's not uh why is it not because you know many people refer to and i've i've had this in conversation with with certainly people you know that i speak with who who are proponents of the luminous mysteries who will say well you know the fatima prayer was added to the end of the uh, to the end of the decades after the glory be that was a change in the rosary too so why can't this be changed so how would you answer that, Your Excellency? I know this is kind of the you know this is you know, the million dollar question here. <laughs> well, this is um, the old poll, uh, Watiwa, John Paul II, taking a crowbar to the angelic psalter and and ripping it apart, just ripping it apart. Why do I say that? Well, what's the rosary? The rosary is uh, the, the 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 systematic med- recitation meditation of how many Hail Marys? 150. Why 150? For the 150 Psalms of David, each of which, as we have we said today, are messianic or prophetic in some sense of our of our Lord of His life, but especially of His passion. Um, so, and and by means of this Rosary, the laity in the world are allowed to participate in the essence of the Church's public prayer, which is the Divine Office. So that the, the, the in the divine office, the, the clergy and the religious and others recite over the course of a week the the Psalter of David, the 150 Psalms. Um, Saint Benedict, in his rule for the Benedictines, he pres- prescribes that specifically that the whole Psalter is to be recited every week. So when you join the Rosary Confraternity, you you make a promise that you'll recite the full Rosary. That is to say, all 15 decades once a week so it's not really even demanding that much of you but the reason why blessed alan has that in there is that that's 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 the parallel it's it's always a parallel don't you can't forget it you can't destroy it and so totally forgetting about the divine office and and the origins of the of the rosary and the link private and public prayer vocal prayer meditation prayer the psalms of david fulfilled and the angelic psalter 
this this poll comes along and um, with supreme hubris, all this pride, and destroys that connection. But as I've said already, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be other rosary types of prayers, as there have been, acknowledged by the Church, indeed, indulgence by the Church. The Bridgetine Rosary, the Golden Rosary, the Rosary of Jesus, those are just three that come to mind, <clears throat> in which you will find occasion to meditate upon some of the so-called luminous mysteries. So in other words, the Dominican Rosary is a work of perfection. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. I'm not going to participate in some modernist destruction of the, the perfection of this rosary psalter, the angelic psalter. But if I want to say another rosary on top of it, hey, <clears throat> that's, that's perfectly fine. That would be edifying. So I, I suggest that our correspondent, maybe the next time that comes up, says, oh, you mean you want to do the Bridgetine rosary? Well, let me get that out. I happen to have some here. <laughs> and then get out <laughs> the text and start reading off the mysteries, and they'll find it to be considerably longer than, than the five decades, and maybe they won't be quite so interested in that. And then the other thing to mention, as I did just briefly, is the, um, the, the very name of it, uh, Luminous Mysteries, the, the creepy Gnostic New Age um, uh, uh, connotation of that with the whole cosmic Christ and everything. And in particular, the, there's, there's like a flowering, a foul flowering of heresies, all about the concept of the um, baptism of our Lord. And that's even connected with um, some of the changes in the sacramental rites of the Church. Uh, the idea that somehow at our Lord's baptism, that's when he became divine, or be, he, that's when he had the, had the realization that he was divine. Those are all different heresies. So those things have to be treated with with extreme caution. So if these other rosaries... Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I apologize. If the other rosaries have um, uh, died out, or taken not even second place, but are almost forgotten today, and the Dominican rosary uh, wins the day, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And we mustn't destroy, the, you might say, the symmetry of the Psalters, the Psalter of David and the Angelic Psalter. Hmm. Your Excellency, well, we're approaching the top of the hour here. If we can beg a few, a few more minutes of your time here after the top of the hour, we have just a, just a few more questions to get to here uh, sure. you know, as, as regarding the, the devotion itself. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, as I talk with people uh, you know, throughout my day-to-day -day life who are confused about the crisis in the church and everything, I always point them directly, first and foremost, to begin praying the rosary. Before you begin tackling anything else, make sure you're praying the rosary every day because oh, I can yeah. speak... You know, I can speak into myself and, and you know, my journey to tradition, which we won't, we won't bore the audience with here, but uh, you know, that, was a, that was a key and very integral part of my, if you want to call it, conversion, and finally seeing the, you know, the truth about the Novus Ordo for what it was. The rosary was absolutely foundational in that. And I wanted to take a moment, Your Excellency, to, to, to try and address some common objections that people have. And it's sad, but, I mean, they're out there. And, and I think one of the number one things about this is that um, uh, people tend to view the rosary as a private revelation. And, and I hear the objection of, well, it's not required. Uh, you know, it, it's not required to pray the rosary to get to heaven. So why should I pray the rosary if it's not required? I'm a busy person. I don't have time. Besides, I can't meditate properly. I can't concentrate. You know, those, are, those are some of the common objections, and, and I'd like you to, to, to possibly address some of those if you would. 
we, uh, we have to pray in order to save our souls. It's a mortal sin if we don't pray, <clears throat> knowing that by, not, by neglecting prayer, we will fall into a mortal sin. Uh, and we are, we are obliged to pray, at least from time to time in the course of our lives. So what does it mean to pray? And not just to rattle off a few prayers distractedly, maybe prayers that we learned as, as very little children. To pray, to pray means to have a conversation with God. It's the lifting up of heart and soul to heaven. It is um, asking and then at the same time receiving from our Lord. Those are all, uh, those are all very, very important elements of uh, prayer. It, and, um, it doesn't take that much time either, does it, Your Excellency? I mean, really, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't take that much time. I mean, you can do a rosary in 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, even less, even less. In under 15 minutes, you can, you can pray. Sometimes I find if I'm praying a rosary by myself and I'm concentrating, you actually end up going rather quickly. And, and that's fine because um, there, are, there are so many different ways to, you might say, to pray the rosary. Sometimes you might emphasize the vocal prayers more, sometimes less, sometimes not at all, especially if you're intent on a, on a, uh, on a meditation. So it's like saying that, um, well, it's like saying the ship is sinking. I'm not obliged to use the lifeboat, and I'm not obliged <laughs> to wear the, you know, the life preserver jacket here, and I'm not obliged to inflate it. I can swim. I can certainly swim myself, and uh, you can't force me to. Well, it's true, and then you goodbye. You'd be you know, food for sharks or hypothermia. So um, I, I think that the real answer is uh, if someone starts to object to the rosary is to say, what, are you crazy? Here heaven is, is offering you this um, this lifeline, uh, Saint Saint Teresa of Avila and uh, and other saints see it as, as as a chain, a link between heaven and earth, a ladder, Jacob's ladder, the true uh, Jacob's ladder. Uh, that it's 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 being thrown to us. Don't you want to get to heaven? Don't you see right. the importance of of the Virgin Mary in in God's plan? Um, you're you're just a comment like that really comes out of the age of um, forums and email and Twitter and texting especially. That is to say, people tend to say the first stupid thing they think of, and that is really stupid. Anyone mm-hmm. who loved the Catholic faith was immersed in it, even a little bit, some spiritual reading uh, and, and some prayer. It's only someone who's got a very mechanical uh, uh, almost maybe superstitious, probably also cold and rationalistic approach to the faith. I would worry about that person's salvation myself. Mm-hmm. If to 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 cast doubt on uh, these these means that that God God sends to save us, he'll probably drown. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are just joining us, we're at the top of the hour here with uh, His Excellency Bishop Daniel Dolan of St. Gertrude the Great Catholic Church in Westchester, Ohio, and you're listening to Restoration Radio's show, Devotions with Bishop Dolan. Today we're going over the topic of the Holy Rosary and uh, the beads. And His Excellency has graciously agreed to go over a little bit here with us over the top of the hour to talk about this. And uh, if I can say one more thing about this, Your Excellency, coming from someone who, you know, who began this some years ago now, but probably over a decade now, and maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but when someone says to me that I can't meditate properly and I can't concentrate, my, my first response is, well, 
You know, yes, of course you can't because you're not, you know, you're not making the effort to do so. And this is a great way to start. I mean, and I'm not pointing fingers. I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, I'm, I'm a busy person. I have a day-to-day life, which is usually pretty jam-packed from the time I wake up to the time that I go to bed. But the rosary is a great way to lay that foundation of meditation and concentration. And some days, you know, in my case, some days are better than others. Some days I can meditate very well. Other days it's just very mechanical. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Would you agree, Your Excellency? Oh, oh, absolutely. Maisie Ward wrote a, she was a, 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 a famous um, English convert to the faith, and then she and her husband were involved in book publishing. She, she wrote an interesting book on the rosary, and her husband remarked to her once, I wish my fingers could be blessed in indulgence. <laughs> the easiest way for him was simply to count them out on his fingers. And I remember as a boy seeing a, a special on TV about Bishop Walsh of Marino and his brother coming to visit him once in the communist Chinese prison and that his brother tries to give him a rosary. And the guard immediately intervenes and grabs the rosary out of his hand. The bishop is not at all distressed. He says, that's all right. He smiles and he lifts up his hands. And he says, see, I've got ten, I've got ten fingers. I can say as many rosaries as I want to all day long. So it, indeed it is. It's not a question of pointing a finger. It's joining the fingers together and pointing them up to God and then counting your prayers on them. Um, for people who say, I can't meditate, well, say, first of all, what you got to pray. If you, my friend, if you want to get to heaven, you have to pray. Let's be serious about this stuff. And you're probably not praying at all in your life. If you're mocking the rosary, you have to pray. The, pray, the way you would pray if you're desperate when you're in the hospital and someone you love dearly is hanging between life and death and you start to talk to God and make bargains with God. That's how you should be praying every day. Of course you can pray. You're, it, when you stop and you consider, what should I have for lunch today? Or what about that diet that I was going to go on? Or what should, when am I going to buy it at the store? How, how should we divide up our weekend between fun and work? What are you doing? You're meditating. You're, you're discursively going over certain truths of your life, certain possibilities, uh, certain fears and joys and responses. You're, you're going over. You're thinking it through and maybe even drawing some resolutions. That's what we call um, discursive meditation. But talking about that, um, in fact, I, I gave a sermon last, uh, just, well, two weeks ago, for Rosary Sunday here at St. Gertrude the Great, and it's on our, our sgg.org uh, website in the sermon archives. Talking about that, I told the people about what I found to be always very encouraging. That is to say, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, had a terrible time saying her rosary. Probably most people aren't aware of that or wouldn't even think about that, but it's true. Shortly before she died, she sighed, and she said, when I think of all the trouble I've had saying my rosary, and then she told her sisters, you know, you would think for someone who loves the Virgin Mary so much as I do, that this prayer, which is so pleasing to her, would come very easily to me, but it never has. I've always had difficulty with it. So, my friend, if you've got trouble saying the rosary, you've got a real great saint in heaven who's pulling for you. So, hmm. But try your best to say it. The saints, though, let's say this, um, Saint... Um, uh, Bernadette would have been in, in similar category. Um, St. Margaret Mary, too. The saints had difficulty with the, what we call discursive meditation because they were already 
very highly advanced in the spiritual life into contemplation and perhaps even what we call infused contemplation. So they were sort of at the head of the class and they didn't need to learn about two plus two equals four. You and I have to constantly be doing our sums. We're, you know, we're counting out on our fingers, literally, and trying to draw some conclusions. But the saints are, are so far above us. But still, none of the saints ever disdained or looked down upon the simple way of prayer. In fact, um, sometimes I'm struck about the mm, divine sense of humor, you might say, with here you have the Dominicans who are the most abstract and the most intellectual of orders, St. Thomas Aquinas, the Summa. Just try reading that. Uh, and the, the, the depth of, uh, of spirituality and uh, also the depth of human reasoning that, that's represented in, in the writings of the great theologians, which would leave us behind in the dust. And yet, what do they carry at their side? They wear a rosary. What do they preach? And what do they pray out loud every day? The rosary. It was though, as though that Our Lady gives it to this particular order to keep them humble and to assure that their intellectual work will be fruitful and long-lasting. So our, the work that we do for the Catholic faith would never be fruitful or long-lasting if it's just us, if it's just me, if it's just my ideas and my talk and my effort and all the rest of it. I have to learn to be quiet and to pray. Oh, in connection with that, there's a little anecdote I want to tell about... Um, also, in this wonder, there's a few books I want to recommend. One of them is The Rosary by, um, by Daisy Ward. Um, she tells about the um, uh, Catholic Truth Society in England uh, meeting at the Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park, where at that time, and maybe still today, anybody could take his turn, get up on a, on a little kind of a podium, and speak publicly. And very often... The, there would be Catholics up speaking about the Catholic faith, and then there would be the scene of Protestant hecklers who would be there, and they would be mocking the rosary or mocking the sign of the cross or the Virgin Mary confession, people infallibility, you name it. Well, the Catholic Truth Society would also gather a group of militant Catholics who would then counter heckle. And then sometimes there was so much noise that nobody could be heard and no point was being made at all. So the leaders of the wards, in particular leaders of the Catholic Truth Society, had the brilliant inspiration to ask their Catholic friends, please, they would say, pray for our success. Pray the rosary. <laughs> so they got them all to pipe down and to say the rosary. And then they became so devoted to the rosary that the custom was that a rosary would be said before anybody got up to speak about the faith. So there would be all this silence and all this prayer, and the Protestants would see the beads, and they would see the cross, and they would ask questions. And um, that's, you, we, should never, uh, we should never be ashamed of, of showing the rosary, of saying it in public, of carrying it with us, it's a grace. It's, it's, a, it's an open door. It's a possibility, a benefit to anyone that, that might see it. Uh, when I travel around, I like to say a little, use it like a little finger chaplet for, for the decades. It's easier than, than, than the long thing. But uh, 
Don't be afraid to show it, and don't be afraid to say, you mentioned before the show, we were talking a little bit, uh, Justin, about saying the rosary on the way to work, for example. I recommend that highly. I think that's an excellent idea. Pray the rosary on the way to work. You can meditate just as you can on the way to work. You very well think about the projects you have to do, and if you have to meet the boss and you're in trouble with the boss, what you're going to say to him and the rest of it. That's meditation. You can certainly meditate <laughs> on on the mysteries of the rosary. And the idea would be to connect in somehow, in some sense, what's going on in your life, what's important to you, with the mysteries of the rosary. I, I think that if you look for a link, you will um, avoid an awful lot of rote prayer and distraction. Look for a link between what's going on in your life, what's going on in the life of our Lord and of Our Lady, or again, just to what, the, what your prayer intentions are, and connect that somehow with the mysteries of the rosary. Uh, another thing to be said is that the more people will do in the way of spiritual reading, the more they will be able to have uh, good, wholesome ideas and thoughts and connections for the rosary. The rosary can be a most profitable spiritual exercise, and we should have a lot of we should have a lot of equipment. Uh, available for us to use a lot of apps, if you will, or gadgets somehow that we can put on our on our smartphone. In fact, someone was telling me just yesterday that there's a rosary app, and with this rosary app, they'll count out the beads for you. They'll uh, give you pictures. They'll give you meditations, scripture readings, whatever you need to be able to say a rosary. You can say the rosary with your app. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if, if you if you're one of those people that needs someone else, you say it say it that way. There, you, it, the only limitation would be the limitation maybe of our um, of our imagination. Mm-hmm. Your Excellency, would you also recommend for Catholics to keep a rosary in their pockets at all times or in their purse at all times? Absolutely. I think everybody should have a rosary with them at all times. I don't think you should leave the house without a rosary. Always carry it with you. Say, investigate the little finger chaplet. They're useful in a lot of situations in life. Hang a rosary in your car. For families, I recommend hanging the rosary in the kitchen or the dining room where you're going to have the evening meal together. And as a good way to get the rosary said is as soon as the meal is over, you say your grace, pass out the rosaries, don't clear the table, don't get up from the table, stay right where you are, pray the rosary right there when all the family is gathered together. It only it takes less than 15 minutes, really. Um, obviously, the idea of the family rosary in front of the family altar or shrine is a beautiful ideal, but very often that's hard to achieve because everybody's busy and running this way and that, and then human nature being what it is. And if we have mm-hmm. someone with whom we can pray the rosary, St. Teresa said this. She said, if she said the rosary with others or in community, there is no difficulty. But it was saying the rosary by herself that she found to be so very difficult. Uh, and that, that's the benefit. Blessed are those who live with others. And they have that, the, the possibility of praying the rosary that way. We have, of course, our Catholic customs, for example, praying the rosary before Mass. It's such an excellent preparation for Mass. But... Um, Saying it on the way to work is also an excellent way to do it. There's a way for everybody, and we just have to find right. it. Your Excellency, um, we're starting to reach the end of our program here, and, and before, you know, before we get into the closing thoughts here, I'd like to add one last thing about, you know, about the rosary. It's it, kind of something that I've just observed about, in knowing a little bit about the history of the rosary, is it seems to take on you know, an a, a increased level of importance with each successive generation. And it, if you look at you know, where we are in the world right now, and 
the things that seem to be falling apart around, well, not seem to, which are falling apart around us. Uh, that it's a, uh, I think we as Catholics today need ever, you know, now more than ever to keep praying the rosary every single day because uh, it does keep us focused on the kingdom that is not of this world. You know, our Lord, what we're striving for. I heard Bishop Sanborn say one time, you know, do you, you know, do you desire heaven? Do you desire heaven? And if you do, this is one of the greatest tools to desire heaven and also not to, to not allow the world and all of its evils and wickedness and the things that are looking to befall us here in the future not to get us down. And, it, you know, it, it's a wonderful measure of hope. Yes. And then just as it was customary in the old days and still is for many people to pray the rosary during Mass, that's very fitting and very appropriate. If you do not have access to Mass during the week or even access to a Sunday Mass, even ever, how important the rosary becomes because the rosary, well meditated, is what? It's very close already to being an act of spiritual communion, this desire to be united through Mary with Jesus. And so then to add an act of spiritual communion to the meditation of some of the decades of the rosary is a wonderful way to make up, as it were, for the lack of the Mass and being to be spiritually united with the Mass. Uh, so there, there's no contradiction, there's no opposition uh, among any of, between any, any of these devotions, the rosary, uh, the assistance at the Holy Mass, the divine office. They, they all have their proper place and they all, they, they all come from God and they're all meant to lead us home to God. Well, I wanted to mention too about the Fatima prayer. You know, I don't think that the Fatima prayer was ever formally approved or formally put into the rosary. It's an excellent custom of what, if I remember my canon law properly, I'm subject to correction from the, the reverend professors of the seminary, but I think it's what they call custom contrary to law. That is to say that by law, you're not really supposed to add anything at all between the decades in order to gain the indulgences of the Dominican rosary. But um, the, uh, uh, the Fatima prayer it has become so customary over over the course of almost of a hundred years now, but certainly maybe maybe in the last um, eighty years, sixty years, that uh, no one could object to it. I don't think it's it's just a customary form of prayer that that's been added. That's a good example of this organic development, very slow, adopted by many priests and bishops and religious without any question, because it is essentially orthodox. Would you say that it's not an essential change of the rosary itself, Your Excellency? No, it's not an essential change. And the right. reason for that is that the um, the, the essence of, of the rosary is to pray the Our Father and ten Hail Marys meditating on one of the mysteries. Um, the glory be is optional, as are the prayers at the very start. A lot of people don't realize that, but they are. Uh, that's the customary, traditional form of the rosary, but it's not required for the indulgences. Now, another way that's customary still today in German-speaking countries and was recommended by St. Louis de Montfort is to add, after the holy name of Jesus, in each Hail Mary, a reference to that particular mystery. So in the first joyful mystery, you would say, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus incarnate, or incarnate in thy womb, something like that. The Germans mm -hmm. have it all figured out and all memorized. So that's the way of bringing the mind back to the mystery that you're meditating on in that particular decade. That's an addition. That's a customary addition. It has never been forbidden by the Church. Um, it's a little bit like some of the apparitions, the, the ones that have been 
approved, even tacitly, are safe to go to. That is to say that there, there have been many bishops and priests, or possibly even popes, who have approved of it without ever giving it the formal public approval. Uh, so that's, that, that's a powerful way of listening to the, to the authority, the magisterium of the Church, indirectly, but, it, but it's still there. So the way the Germans pray the rosary is, a, is an excellent way of keeping your mind focused, but is also an, an example of adding something to it, which no one would think of attacking, because it's so traditional. Mm-hmm. Well, Your Excellency, I think that's a good way to close the program out, and, and, and I would like to, you know, I, I suppose the best way to wind this down, and, and I talked to you about this before we got on the air, was to maybe if you have a story yourself, you know, if you have a, a, per, a particular short story about something that you've noticed the rosary making a direct change in your life, uh, and maybe you could share with us uh, you know, your favorite mystery of the rosary, if you have one, which one you find most edifying. Well, my rosary stories would be growing up in a Catholic school and just before the council and during the council, uh, but before the, uh, any, any changes at all in the Mass, and um, <clears throat> having uh, uh, that the, the pastor would have the rosary recited by everybody in the, in the school after the daily Mass, because we all went to Mass, the 8 o'clock Mass together, and it was the Sun Mass. And then every, so it was a long, long service, but there's no question about it. Every October, the rosary would be said by everybody. And then I remember a particular October, I think it would have been 1962, 63, must have been 62, of, about when, with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I remember it was the first kind of a chain call that I'd ever come across before. I was in grade school still, and the pastor had certain people set up to call everybody else in the parish to ask them to pray the rosary for peace because perhaps we were at the brink of nuclear war, as indeed we were. And that mm-hmm. made a big impression on me that, the, that, that uh, the, this, the rosary is an important prayer. The pastor asks for it. It's an important prayer. It's not enough to have a high mass in the morning. We're praying a rosary right afterwards because it's the month of the rosary. And then, of course, with the changes then, you know, the, the horrible stories in the 60s and early 70s, denigrating the rosary. Um, <clears throat> the next time that I really came across a strong rosary devotion was in uh, 1973 when I went to Acone in Switzerland, seeing the French seminarians. And uh, they, would, they would have their rosary if they had to walk from one place to another. It was a great idea. They got their rosaries out. They prayed a decade, maybe, because it was silence during the day anyway, from the chapel maybe to the refectory for lunch. It was a good use of time, and it, was, it showed that the rosary was instinctive to these young men. So I think I learned a lot from them about that <clears throat> about the, uh, and about the willing recitation of the rosary. Um, then, then just obviously preaching the rosary for, for many years of priesthood, urging the people to pray for all of, the, all of the good reasons that we have been speaking about just a little bit during the course of this, uh, of this program this morning. Um, uh, they, I joined the um, Universal Living Rosary years ago. Uh, it's a group out, out, out of Texas. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it today. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, because it's become totally Novus Ordo today. Although they don't do the luminous mysteries in their publications, they promote very much the, the, the new church and the false clergy and the rest of it, which is really unfortunate, because for a long time, when I had joined them, this Universal Living Rosary out of, I think, I think Dickinson, Texas, was just less of other than just the rosary. But now the new church is, is, is involved in it, so it's to be condemned. But in any case, when I joined, they gave me um, 
for my daily decade, to say, in addition to the regular rosary, the Second Sorrowful Mystery. So I've had occasion to meditate a lot on the Second Sorrowful Mystery. So um, <clears throat> that's, that, for me, that's been a great blessing. And, mm-hmm. and, and indeed, the, the, I find that the more that I read, perhaps in preparation for a sermon, maybe in preparation for a feast day, a retreat, or, that, that helps me to penetrate more and more the sense of the, uh, of the meaning of, of the mysteries. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and I, maybe I could, re- I could repeat it again as a strong recommendation, if you're, if you're uh, um, having trouble with a rosary, having trouble meditating, read. If you're having trouble... Pray to be able to pray. That's important. Ask the little flower for her help. And uh, last of all, search or look. During your rosary, ask yourself questions. Look for the link. Your, your beads are linked together on your rosary chain. What's the link between these mysteries and your life today? What's going on with you? What's going on with Jesus and Mary? Uh, see the connection. And if you can't do anything else because you're distracted, pray about your distractions in the light of the mystery. And you'll be surprised at the thoughts that will come to you. You can meditate. You can really meditate actually very well. And your meditation will do what for you? It will lift you up as a meditation. Meditation is for the soul what exercise is for the body. That is to say it would lift you up, it will energize you, uh, it will give you a sort of a new lease on life, enough energy to get through your day well, it will improve your, your cardio rhythm, your breathing, all that stuff. It does that for the soul. So that's just another reason as to why the rosary is so important, to say nothing of the fact that by our rosaries, you and I can be peacemakers. We can help to promote peace, the carrying out of, of the message of, of Fatima for this uh, poor world of ours. Indeed. Well, Your Excellency, I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. Uh, I would alert our listeners that if you are interested in finding out more about uh, Bishop Dolan's ministry, you can go to sgg.org, and uh, there's uh, they have live web they have live uh, uh, mass webcasts on Sunday. There's a lot of sermons on there that you can listen to on a really a whole host of topics over the years. Uh, Father Chicada, who's also a frequent guest here on Restoration Radio, he has uh, sggresources.org, and he's now on Twitter. So uh, you, you can you can contact him, or you can uh, join the email list, and you'll be uh, you'll be alerted to anything that uh, the Father Chicada has to say, which is always fun and uh, you know very interesting. And uh, Your Excellency, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you know, we are, we're very very appreciative of your time here this morning, and I know you're very busy. And uh, I, I found this show to be very very edifying with, with regards to this very important topic. You're very welcome, Justin. So it's a pleasure. Final thought. I'm going. My next thing on after I kind of check on things in the parish and the sacristy, and so then my next job today is to uh, write, work on, and write out my sermon for Sunday. But I remember being told by my spiritual director, and I was a seminarian at Acone, who was an old Trappist from Gethsemane in Kentucky, celebrated Trappist monastery. That, and I'm sure he learned it from someone else. Never, he said, never uh, start your work on a sermon without praying a rosary first. Pray, ask for God's guidance. Then you'll be able to write down and prepare and then eventually to deliver the kind of a sermon that God wants you to give if you ask for help. Probably if we at least even tried to pray a few decades before we took important decisions, before we faced problems, uh, we could get through our day and our life a whole lot better. And we would end up 
with a little bit less of me and a little bit more of thee, O Lord. That, that, that's, that's, that was real good advice that I got as a seminarian, and I try to be faithful to it today. And I think all of our listeners could put it into practice in some way in their own lives. Indeed. Well, Your Excellency, we will talk to you next month when we are going to be discussing Excellent. the last uh, devotion show of the season. Uh, we'll be on the Holy Relics. Okay? The Holy Relics, indeed. Very good. Indeed. Well, God okay. bless you and God bless God everyone. Bless you. Thank you for your time, Your Excellency. Bye-bye. And I would alert our listeners, um, here's where we're beginning to reach the end of our Restoration Radio season, which will end at the end of November, that we have a report card which is up on the blog site, uh, truerestoration.blogspot.com. You can go to and fill out and give us some feedback as to what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you'd like to see next season. Uh, It's very important. And that's going to close on the 24th of October as we're beginning to uh, – the – the main principles here of uh, True Restoration, we're going to have our annual meeting this coming weekend up in, uh, up in Canada, and we're going to be traveling here t- towards the middle part of the week. We also put up on the True Restoration uh, blog a, uh, a request for a novena to the Holy Ghost that we would be enlightened and uh, we would be led as to where we're going to take things in Season 3. We have a lot of exciting things. Uh, Stephen posted on the blog, uh, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday, we have new videos which are available for download. Uh, one-time download. We always ask for subscriptions, but if you just prefer to do a one-time download, there's some excellent, uh, excellent interviews on there. So, and until next time, uh, we want to thank you again for, you know, for listening, for all the live downloads that, uh, or excuse me, for all the downloads in the future that we're going to have. We hope it reaches the broadest audience as possible. And until next time, which will be sometime in the middle of next month, to talk about the holy relics. Please keep the faith. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.